Welcome to this edition of Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets. In this weekly show, you'll catch two fund managers who'll share their views on a selection of listed companies, both here and overseas. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to be notified of new episodes each week. And don't forget that all the views expressed are general in nature and you should seek your own advice before making any decisions of your own. That's all from me. Sit back, relax and enjoy the latest edition of Buy, Hold, Sell. Hello and welcome to Livewire's Buy, Hold, Sell. I'm Ali Selby and in this episode today we'll be taking a deep dive into the wonderful world of listed products. You'll learn how to make your portfolio work for you as well as some of the top listed products financial advisors are liking today. To do that we're joined by Charlie Viola from Pitcher Partners and Candice Burke from Shore and Partners. Okay, let's dive straight in. Charlie, I might start with you. What's the biggest problem you've really noticed in portfolios that you've inherited over the last 12 months? What are we investors getting wrong? We went through a period a couple of years ago where, you know, multiples were running out and markets were doing really well, which meant that people kind of forgot about the fundamentals. Uh, so we've probably taken on a bunch of portfolios over the last 12 months with just a whole bunch of rubbish in them. You know, a whole bunch of buy now, pay later and EV type stuff. My message to everybody is just go and buy quality, seriously. Um, so yeah, it's been weeding out all of the garbage that we've seen in those portfolios and just this kind of flight to good quality stuff. Over to you, Candice. What are you noticing? What are the problems that you're seeing in portfolios that you're inheriting at the moment? Agree with what Charlie's saying. Definitely in the last you know, two, three years with COVID, it has been a challenging market to make returns. One thing I would add to Charlie's point is we haven't seen, we have seen, I should say, sorry, a lot more passive uh, ETFs uh, that aren't beating the benchmark and not keeping up with the current markets. In the last week or so, we've seen everything develop, things are moving very quickly. So the message I'm saying to clients is, let's be more active and make sure we're keeping up with the market conditions. What products are you using at the moment? Has that changed? Did you used to like passive products or are you completely an active girl right now? I think, you know, with uh, the 13-year kind of bull run that we had in low interest rates after the GFC, you could easily put money in a passive ETF, you know, tracking an index and do well there. So we've seen a shift moving more towards quality, like Charlie was saying, we're looking at balance sheets, we're looking at fundamentals. So looking at more active ETFs and active managed funds, and then also complementing around with direct positions that we have a high conviction in. Is that a short-term trend? I feel like Spiva data shows that over the long term, most active managers actually underperform their benchmark. Is it a new, I guess, market environment now? It's changing every day, right, Ali? So we wake up and the market moves so rapidly. Again, going back to the message with clients, I think we want to pick long-term conviction investments that are keeping up in the inflationary environment, in the deflationary environment. Who really cares long-term what happens to interest rates? It's all short-term noise and just stick with the conviction long-term. Okay, over to you, Charlie. What products do you use right now and how has that changed over the last decade? Probably hasn't changed that much, to be honest. Uh, you know, we're a big one for holding good quality, diverse. Um, you know, when we hold a basket of stocks, we're really looking for kind of, you know, those kind of key fundamentals. So key competitive advantages, good balance sheets, um, good management. Um, and we want diversity. So, you know, we've always held, uh, you know, good exposure to real assets in our client portfolios. We've pr probably done in the last kind of six months or so a little bit more interest rate sensitive stuff. So a few more credit things and, and a little bit more in the debt space. Um, but 
I probably disagree with Candice. I'm a big one for efficient market theory. I think if you just continue to buy, you know, good quality assets that over time, you're going to see that cream rise to the top and you're going to see kind of earnings growth kind of take over and revenue production continue to increase. So um, like I'm a, just a big one for keep it really simple, buy good quality assets, uh, take exposure to broad-based indexes um, and, you know, live off the revenue stream that it's providing. Okay, so Livewire's listed series is all about how investors can build the perfect portfolio on the ASX. Charlie, I want to know if that's even possible. Do you think investors can build the perfect portfolio on the ASX? What does an effective portfolio look like to you? Yeah, remembering that an effective portfolio looks different for different people. So I have three fundamental rules. One is uh, make sure you're investing to your objectives from a time frame and a risk point of view. Secondly, be diverse. And the third and the most important thing is continue to buy quality. So from my perspective, as long as your portfolio has got a good smattering of um, large cap, broad-based uh, ASX ETFs, so um, VTS, uh, VAS, whatever, whatever it might be, uh, and you're coupling it with a good exposure to the mega cap US stocks and international stocks, uh, and then you've got a smattering of kind of um, credit and debt and, and property stuff in there, the reality is, is over time, it's going to go okay. As long as you're buying at the top end of that quality spectrum, you will be fine, and making sure you're continuing to invest through the cycle. Mm. Over to you, Candice. What does an effective portfolio look like to you? How can investors make their portfolios work for them? Again, always a starting point is what is your goal and objective? And that kind of lays the foundation for how we can create the perfect portfolio in your terms. I don't think there's a one-stop shop solution. Uh, what works really well for our model is the core satellite approach, which really to the answer to the previous question as well is how has it changed? Well, your core satellite methodology doesn't change. So let's say, for example, you're building a 70-30 portfolio. Typically, we call that a balanced or you know, slightly more growth orientation. Within the growth asset allocation, we might look at you know, putting quite a lot into the core model so that are strong balance sheets, quality businesses that can survive over the long duration in terms of many market cycles, you know, 5, 10, 15 years plus. And then around the side, we'll have satellite ideas. So that might be a thematic that we're really into, you know, lithium, all the EV, decarbonisation play. That's taking a smaller risk in the portfolio. So we don't have, you know, massive concentration there. That's where we like to do active ETFs, for example, because you're getting a basket approach to that particular thematic. But again, you know, an effective portfolio, if an investor can answer the question, is it hitting my income needs that if I have them? Is it hitting the capital expectation I'm expecting? Do I know what I'm invested in? Do I agree with that? Has it got the ethical filters if I need it? If you can answer most of these questions, I feel like you're on the right path to having an efficient, effectively run portfolio. I want to talk about how you're actually getting exposure within clients' portfolios right now. Can you take me through um, some examples of an ETF that you really like for exposure to equities, for example? Of course. So just focusing on the Australian market, what we're really liking at the moment is the Vanek MVW ETF. That's the equal weight exposure, mainly in the large cap space, ASX top 200. Uh, I believe at the moment with what we're seeing, you know, really play out in the market very quickly, you just want to have a nice exposure to the top end. Like Charlie and I are saying, flight to quality, fundamentals, strong dividend growth, rock solid balance sheets, really monopolised businesses there um, that again, they can ride many different market cycles. And on the other side of the coin, how are you getting exposure for defensive assets within portfolios right now? 
So we could look at a couple of different managed funds. A lot of the managers these days are also doing active ETFs, which is fantastic because they typically have a lower all-cost fee. One that comes to mind is Metrics. They're a fantastic credit manager. We also like at Shore and Partners going into the Australian hybrid market. That has come off a lot lately with all the news with Credit Suisse. But again, we haven't, we've got a very different Australian banking um, system compared to offshore. A lot of offshore banking regulators look at the Australian system and take notes and le lessons from what we do really well. So in the current floating rate interest market, uh, we do think we are potentially at peak rates. You know, you are getting a six to seven percent yield, which is quite attractive for that defensive part mm. of the market. It's almost equity-like returns. Okay, over to you, Charlie. How are you getting exposure to risk assets at the moment? So um, I, I also like MVW, uh, the VNEC equal weighted, equal weights the top 78 stocks. Um, it's a good way to do it if you don't want this kind of massive overweight exposure to the, the banks and resources. Um, but again, like I'm a big one for keeping it simple, just go and buy STW, um, the street tracks ASX 200. Um, you know, you're getting, you're getting that broad-based exposure to markets, yields like 4.5%, 70% franked, stick it in the bottom drawer and get rich off it, is my view. So um, just like, again, people keep it simple and buy quality. <laughs> okay. How about defensive assets? How are you getting exposure there? Uh, yeah, so we like a few things. It depends on what you mean by defensive. I actually sometimes think that large cap Australian equities are, are, are defensive, to be honest, because they're all good quality companies generating revenue. Lots of people use them. They're part of our everyday life. Um, but if we have to kind of do the whole strict, which is kind of rubbish, 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 right, between income and, and capital thing, uh, we, we quite like QRI, which is the Qualitas uh, Real Estate Income Fund, uh, which is just a big basket of Australian mortgages, about 60% LVR, paying a, I think it's paying a yield of eight or nine um, percent at the moment. Uh, it's trading at a mild discount to its to its uh, NTA. Um, so, you know, that's an easy one. We also like metrics. Metrics have got a, a listed product, MXT, um, so it's kind of fine. I'll disagree with Candace. I'm not a big fan of hybrids, to be honest. I think hybrids, if you are genuinely looking for a fixed interest exposure, the reality is the hybrids, in my view anyway, you're just basically, you know, they're right at the bottom of the stack, right? So if anyone doesn't understand where the hybrid sits, kind of if, if a joint goes broke, so if the bank goes broke, everyone lines up to get money, the guy at the back of the line is the shareholder, the guy at the, in front of the guy at the back of the line is actually the hybrid holder, you're taking equity risk to get fixed income returns. You might as well just go and buy the equity, to be honest, and you're going to probably get better yields. Um, so for us, that's not actually, you know, reducing your risk profile. Um, so yeah, QRI, MXT. Um, not hybrids. Not hybrids. Yeah. Okay. So, that, was actually sorry, my next, <laughs> that was actually my next question. I want to know what product or fund do you think no longer has a place in investors' portfolios? Obviously, the investment environment has really changed over the last two years, really in the last year since we've seen inflation rear its head and interest rates start to rise once again. What product no longer has a place in investors' portfolios? Yeah, so the thing I'm probably not a big fan of and have never been a big fan of is REITs. So, um, so you know, listed property, listed property companies. I'm of the view that if you want property exposure, go and buy assets or ETFs that have got real 
property exposure where you can look through to the underlying asset, you can see the revenue being produced by rent or what have you. Uh, some of these REITs, which in reality are just investment banks using their balance sheet to try and generate an arbitrage, you know, the difference between the, um, the, the income that you're getting and the cost of the debt, uh, just get absolutely belted around uh, when you see interest rates go up. And they're really the first to get um, hammered in any of these kind of unstable periods. And we saw it through GFC, we saw it through COVID, and we're seeing it again now that they're all getting belted. So, um, you know, Sorry, you know, but I would never, you know, we're not a big fan of going out and buying things like Stockland and Centre Group and, um, you know, vicinity, vicinity holdings or any of those types of companies. How about fund managers who invest in REITs? Would that be a safer bet or still absolutely no? Like, like I said, when we want property exposure, we want actual property exposure. So we want to be able to see the actual underlying assets, see who the tenants are, see where the yield or the revenue um, is coming from, see what the whale is. We want real property exposure, not banking on a, on a management team, working out how they best leverage a balance sheet. Um, so, you know, and there are a number of uh, those products out there, you know, and there are some of the REITs that do a good job. Goodman Group do a really good job because they've just gone and bought good quality industrial um, assets. You know, Charter Hall have got a number of actively managed, effectively ETFs, the CLW, the um, Charter Hall Long Whale Fund, where they're just going and buying good quality properties with long whales or, or long lease periods. Um, those sorts of things are okay to buy because you're buying the actual assets themselves, which is generating the revenue, which is filling up your bank account with cash. Okay, over to you, Candice. What product or fund do you think no longer has a place in investors' portfolios? Before I get to the answer, I just wanna uh, make a comment on what Charlie said. Um, I, do, I do agree, generally, broadly, with your comment, but I wanna point out what a lot of the market misses is that Goodman Group is, not really a REIT anymore these days. The business model's really quite changed. It's more of a logistics company. Last time I checked, I think it pays like a 1.5% dividend yield. Um, so I still think there's some quality, you know, property exposure companies you can get in the Australian market. And then also we have to remember, typically Australian investors are overweight property already, their own residential properties. So we like to, at Shoreham Partners, take a holistic view approach in that sense. Um, and we'll typically you know, know that the chunk of their wealth is in that asset class already. So let's look at other opportunities like tech, healthcare, infrastructure. So coming back to your question, Ali, it's really a short, sharp, simple answer. It's crypto. So if you have made money in that asset class in any way possible, Congratulations, this is not personal <laughs> advice. I think you should potentially think about selling. I believe there's lots of different products out there that are in that space. I think there's one called Literally Crypto as an ETF. Uh, so that would be something we're avoiding and have been in, in, in the last two, three years with the rise. We've had clients ask us about that asset class. Um, again, big debate, is it an asset class? My opinion is I don't see a lot of intrinsic value there still. It could be something definitely in the next you know decade that stays around, but always we would say let's back the innovative tech companies in the payment sector doing really great disruptive things. I think of PayPal. Okay, well that's all we have time for today. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you did, why not give it a like? Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're adding so much great content every week. Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis and insights. Register for free online at livewiremarkets.com and you'll discover more exclusive investing articles, videos and podcasts.